For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, welcome to another brand new episode of It's My House podcast. I am, of course, as always, your host, Mr. Chris Dees. And today, well, it's a man who needs no introduction, but what I will say is the word legend gets thrown around far too often, far too easily these days. But if you're talking about today's guest, it's the only appropriate fitting way to describe him. So I will simply introduce him as the legendary Mr. Mike Kyoda. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining me today. How are you today? Good, Chris. How you doing today, man? Thanks for having me on the show over there in the UK. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, absolutely. I've listened like so many podcasts talk to wrestlers, just wrestlers, but I'm really interested in speaking to timekeepers, announcers, referees. Yeah. It's always good to get a different perspective. Of the business. That's true from a different shot. You know, they always do like uh like on ad free shows, I'm on a podcast there. They call me the third man in the ring. So it's kind of like stuck with it. So the third man in the ring is it's what it is. <laughs> fits perfectly you referees are just as important as the wrestlers well you know I, I think there was only one guy that had a match without a referee it was pat patterson like 50 years ago but <laughs> that was it but uh yeah you can't really too, do too much without a referee in a ring that's for sure no, absolutely not uh right i know you're a busy man so i'm gonna get right into it got a few things that i'm, I'm itching to ask you about the first one Really recent, recent memory. Um, obviously, you dedicated a long, long period of your life to, to being with WWE, WWF. There for years, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a hell of a long time to be in one job with one company for one employee, for one yeah. employer. Sorry. Um, so when when you left, was it was it a surprise for you? Was it a surprise that maybe they didn't have anything else for you to do? Maybe in like yeah. a backstage yeah. role or. Yeah, it was a shock. It was a shock. Like, you know, it was just uh, it was just a phone call in the middle of April last year. And it was just like, uh, and that's it. And it was just like, wow, like, you know, I moved to Tampa from Houston. I'm from, I'm from New Jersey and was in uh, Houston for about 13, 14 years. And I moved to Tampa to get closer to the PC Center and to do things. And it was great because it was like before the COVID, it was like WrestleMania is going to be in Tampa. The PC is down there. Um, I was actually out in 2019 of August, had surgery in October of 2019 on my rotator cuff and bicep surgery at the same time. Had it done by the best, Dr. Dugas in Alabama. He does all the sports talents and all the wrestlers and everybody. And, uh, you know, I get a phone call on April 15th. I thought it was going to be a pay cut more or less, but it was just like, oh, see you later. And, you know, it's unfortunately in, in in the business of wrestling with the WWE, it seems like, you know, when you're there for 30 years or plus, it's just, uh, you have no longevity, longevity after that. There is really not much. In it. You can go into different areas, training referees. I could, you know, down to PC and so forth. You got like a lot of guys like X-Pac, Regal, uh, Steven Regal, and a lot of guys training wrestlers and stuff like that. And I thought I'd be a part of maybe doing something down in, you know, with the WWE, but um, Tony Chimmel, he was my long you know, time ring crew partner for 20 some years. And I refereed, he ring announced, we drove the trucks, drove all over the United States and Canada. We traveled all over the world. 
and Seton shows up and, you know, especially uh, me and Tony were like the head ring crew in 92 in Wembley Stadium in London. Uh, so, I mean, and he got cut and released too as well. Uh, Mark Gayton, timekeeper for many years, a referee, ring crew guy, did everything but wrestle. And he got released after 30 years. So it, it's kind of a shocker. It's like, wow, what is it, like 30 year mark? Is it a bad uh, omen? <laughs> you know, to where it's like, <laughs> once you reach 30 years, man, your time's ticking. But you know, unfortunately, we'll see. So, but they call me back, if they do something, they call me back. If not, it's, it's all good. It's been a great run, 35 so, years. So you, you must have left on good terms then, if, if you'd be happy. Yeah, to I mean, I, I, didn't left, I didn't leave on bad terms. I was out. I I had moved uh, my family from uh, Houston to Tampa. I had this, when I got to Tampa, I went to surgery in October. So I mean, I was out for six months. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't um, I didn't get no heat, you know. So I mean, supposedly I didn't have any heat, but uh, it was just uh, Tony Chimmel, myself, John D'Amico, and uh, it was a couple other guys that got released after thirty plus years. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Like we, we, as fans, we put so much emphasis on. Oh my God, I can't believe Samoa Joe has been released, or the right. Iconics have been released. People that have right. only really been there for say four, five, six years, maybe, which is obviously sure. sad. It's a loss, but right. you guys are just as you yourself are as much of my childhood, as big a part of my childhood as The Rock or Stone Cold or anybody is. So I it's appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's it's just as big a loss to see you guys, and especially when you say. So much loyalty and guys like Jerry Briscoe, so much loyalty. Yeah. Do, do you have any sort of contact with Vince or just a phone call from? It yeah, it was, it was a phone call from TR, which uh, Mark Crown is not even there no more. He, he just got released uh, about a month or two ago. So, you know, uh, I guess what comes around goes around. You know, he was calling people, firing, <laughs> firing people left and right, and he got the phone call. But, um, you know, it was just, uh, yeah. I mean, Shane McMahon reached out to me. It was nice of him to reach out to me and stuff like that. We go way back, you know, from the uh, the days where, you know, we were training Shane with the ring crew and stuff, Tony Chimmel and I, and he used to run the roads with us for several, several months um, after college and between college and stuff when he was going to college. And, uh, you know, it was nice to hear from Shane, but yeah, I really didn't hear it. And, you know, it's not like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if they... They think I'm going to go in there and screaming and hollering or anything like that. You know, I, and I told Shane, you know, tell the family, you know, especially Lince, Vince, Linda, you know, his wife and uh, Stephanie and himself. Thank you for all the years and, and the support. And I appreciate it. it was, a, you know, and being loyal to the company as a referee is not being loyal is like, oh, I'm going to go to WCW or I'm going to go to uh, AEW or I'm going to threaten them with it. You know, I'm going to go somewhere else. Loyalty was basically just being there, doing your job, being on time, getting, being there for every show. Um, loyalty was making sure the ring crew, you know, got the ring there and set it up and, you know, and uh, we never missed a spot on any show. Tony Chimmel and I never missed a ring crew spot, you know, and, you know, cause he, I could definitely um, uh, have some matches without a few talent that's at the show, but you can't have matches or a show without the ring. So the loyalty and hard work was that that came in. That's where we played loyalty and, and, you know, hard work for the company. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting. You mentioned AEW there. Obviously you've, you've done a little bit of work for AEW. Yeah, a little bit of work for AEW and Cody and stuff. And, you know, uh, I don't know if Tony Khan's too high on referees, you know, like it's hard for me as a referee to see the show because the referee just stands there and they're acknowledging the tags 
Um, they're just counting the pinfalls. It's not like, okay, there's no disqualification. There's no five count on the, on the ropes. There's no 10 count on a count out. There's, they're just running all over the place doing high spots and stuff like that. You know, you'd like to see a little bit more of control where the referee has control of a match, you know, and certain things I seen a couple of weeks ago in AEW and the referee took a bump. It was like, Oh, you know, like, <laughs> you know, a referee does play a, you know, large part, you know, and Aubrey, like she's doing a, a great job as far as a woman referee. And she's really uh, showing, showing women what a woman can do as a referee in there. She's doing a great job in there. And she's, uh, she's one of the best in the AEW. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Would you be, Obviously, you've done those those few matches there. I think like three or four matches, some pretty big matches as well. Like you say, right. some Cody matches. Yeah. Are you, are you looking to keep refereeing, or are you quite happy with? Where no, you are? no. I, I like to keep refereeing, and um, you know, for um, we're, there's a new beginning in South America with the clones, with Eddie Clone and Primo Clone, and the clones over there in Carlito and Puerto Rico, and um, hopefully we're you know the new beginning is starting in Latin American wrestling, so entertainment. So it's called L-A-W-E. So it's, it's hopefully in the next few months, we're going to get that going. I was just in Puerto Rico a couple of weeks ago with the clones and going over stuff, arenas and stuff in the ring and everything. I'll be doing production for them and uh, revamping the whole ring, revamping stuff and for TV production and uh, training referees. And I'll be, I'll be refereeing some main events over there as well. Oh, well, well that sounds pretty cool because they've obviously they've got such a rich history Within wrestling, yes. so. yeah, it's, it goes through generations of wrestling there with, yeah. with, with Carlos Colon and so forth back many years ago, and then Carlito and Primo and Epico and stuff like that. So, and which is Orlando Colon and Eddie Colon. So, I mean, you know, they go back for many years of wrestling, they know what they're doing. And, uh, I, you know, and that's one thing I think the WWE has veered away from so many years is South America. Like, they really don't put their Latino wrestlers over at all. Um, there was a short run where Andrade was getting a good push there to, to Rio some years prior to that. Um, you know, and like Ray Mysterio, I don't think he gets the push he deserves on the way out at the end of his career. You know, I mean, I think he should get a little more props than that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of talented um, Hispanic and Puerto Rican oh, and, and that heritage kind of wrestlers in, in the WWE ranks at the moment. I think if they are going to break into that, you know, they could easily do an NXT show over there right. how they've done India and how they've done right you know all these different regions I think yeah it's such an untapped market and Andrade would have been uh, you know I mean come on he I mean him and he brings it when he gets in that ring he brings everything and just uh he, he just turns into he turns into a whole nother gear inside that ring you know and um hopefully be looking forward to working with him at LAWE so uh so that would be interesting working with him again and everything. But, you know, like, you know, in Mexico and a lot of South America, there was so much talent that comes out of Mexico. Like I just named Ray Mysterio, Alberto de Rio, and, and just so many other guys. And, you know, uh, Kalisto, he's even a good worker. I love, you know, yep. and Humico and, you know, stuff like that, Sin Cara. And, uh, but, you know, so, I mean, I'd like to see LAW and E and like, uh, we're going to, start kicking off it's a new beginning and hopefully they kick it off right in uh south america yeah, and absolutely um one thing i'm always curious because obviously growing up as a wrestling fan we all want to be wrestlers we've always, always got that dream of being a wrestler yeah i've honestly and this is not an insult to referees i've never had any friends or met anybody who 
wanted to be a referee. So was was that always your plan? Is that what got you into it in the first place? That's a great question. Great question, Chris. Because um, uh, when I was younger and started like at 18, I used to do the business when I was 15 and 16 for Gorilla Monsoon's family. He owned a little ring outside the territory of South Jersey in New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia. And uh, they had a territory where Joey Morella used to be. He was That was his son. Gorilla Monsoon's son was Joey Morella. And we used to do the ring crew when we were kids. Uh, and then, you know, like I got in, I went back into full time after I was 18. And Gorilla got me in the job back and stuff and got my foot back in the door. And uh, I was ring crew with Tony Chimmel. And, you know, I was always taking bumps and he wanted me to be a referee and stuff. And Chief Jay Strombo actually said, look, he said, he used to call me Dynamite Kid. He said, Dynamite, go over there. He goes, I need you to get black pants, a blue shirt, a bow tie and some black sneakers. I said, what? He goes, you're refereeing tomorrow. I'm, I'm tired of these commission referees, these old school commission referees. Like they almost like wouldn't even get down to count. They'd count with their foot. One, two, three. <laughs> it was like... So I said, oh, what? All right, chief, no problem. You know, whatever chief said, went. Down the road, Gorilla, I'd be taking bumps, working out in the ring with the boys that would show up there early, Barry Horowitz, Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, guys that would get there early. We'd take you know, all the kinds of bumps. And Gorilla pulls me aside and said, hey, I thought you wanted to be a referee. We talked about you being a referee. And chief said, you know, you started refereeing and Joey Morella was helping me. The old school talent was helping and he said, look, I don't want to see you in there trying to be a wrestler. He goes, I want you to do as a referee would do. If you want to take bumps as a referee, that's fine. Learn how to take bumps. He goes, longevity in the business is refereeing. And, you know, I took that the words wisdom that I went, and, you know, like, because he knew what he was talking about, Gorilla Monsoon. So I took those words and, it, I mean, and I followed his, his wisdom and it lasted 33 years of refereeing. You know, I had 33 years under my belt, you know, 31 on TV. Um, I debuted in 89 and uh, I actually refereed around 87, you know, but it took you to pay dues for a couple of years to get up to get to that TV spot. You know, because you had Tim White, you had Dave and Earl Hebner um, and you had, you know, like Dan Dangerous Danny Davis refereeing at the time. Um, so, I mean, you know, you had to pay dues and then I made my debut in 89 and Man, I go back and think about what Gorilla Monsoon said. And look how many wrestlers I've seen come and go. You know, I've seen a lot of wrestlers come and go without their careers. And he always told me, like, a wrestler can have a good run for four or five, ten years. But after that, it's done. It's done and over. He goes, there's going to be very few guys that will have a career, like, you know, Ric Flair or maybe Shawn Michaels and stuff like that, that have had longevity careers. But very few Undertaker. Um but referees, you know, like I followed what he had to say. And man, it was a great run. Traveled all over the world, too. Yeah, it sounds incredible. I mean, you've mentioned yeah. some some great names in there, like Gorilla Monsoon and Ric yeah. Flair. What was it like as such a young guy spending time with people like Gorilla Monsoon? Because I, 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 yeah. I was born too young. I was born the year that you made your debut. So it was a great wow. year. Gotcha. <laughs> so I, I never really got to experience guys like right. Bobby the Brandina and Gorilla Monsoon. I've gone back and watched it, you know, as a fan. Right. But what was it like in that? What were they like to work with? Because we hear so uh, many stories. Great. Bobby the Brain was great, fantastic, always funny, always joking. Gorilla Monsoon and them too. Gorilla was a very serious person, you know, and he joked around, but he, 
he's a very more stern and serious person and, and a trust trustworthy person. And, and um, he was just like pretty much all business. But when you seen Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Brain Heenan on those shows on Saturday mornings and stuff and commentating and going back and forth at it, uh, and they were the best of friends and they were hilarious. They were hilarious, you know, and it was great to work with all that old school town because they had so much knowledge of the business. And that's when you come in and you, you take their knowledge, you take their wisdom, you put it all together, you know, and like, you know, I had a very good run for 35 years and it was, uh, and looking back, you know, when I was a kid and getting to travel to over 50 to 60 different countries, a lot of countries over and over and over and all throughout the UK and Ireland and everywhere, you know, Scotland, here, Japan, Australia, uh, China, and all over the place. And it's just what an experience it is to see how people live and entertain people for different cultures and, you know, different ways of living. And, but our company brought, provided entertainment for the kids and the families, which was awesome, you know. Absolutely. And to be a part of something that brings so much joy to so yeah. many people must just Absolutely. be such a great feeling as well. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes there's heat when you're leaving, when you're, when your main man doesn't go over, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> it was like, you know, when the British bulldog and, and Brett, the Hitman Hart went at it in 92, you know, when Joey Morella actually did that match and that went 45, 50 minutes, man, I, I figured if bulldog wasn't going over, this place was going to erupt. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> but anyway, Brett, the Hitman Hart was a big fan in the UK as well, you know, yeah. but uh, always got to put the hometown boy over. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. I've got again. I was too young. I was like three years old, but yeah. I've been back and watched that match, and that's one of just just my favorite matches from from a UK fan. Right, a few that match means a lot to me, even though I, I wasn't there at the time. Um, but you you mentioned that match, such an iconic match, and I'm sure you must get asked this all the time on every podcast, every interview, just every chat you have with any person. You've you refereed for such a long time, so right. many important important eras like the, the late 80s, the Attitude Era, the highs of that, the Ruthless Aggression Era, the PG and the Reality Era. If you could narrow it down to just a couple of matches, what, what are the matches that you're either most proud to have been a part of or matches that you enjoyed the most and why do they spring to mind? Yeah, I mean, to spring to mind is, um, I'd have to say number one is the shirt behind me. And then you got the man over there, the rock. Um, behind me is it says "What a bash!" Where Hogan's pounding the rock. There it was a front newspaper. The one above is from the, the newspaper of the Examiner. That one was from the Sun, Toronto, Toronto uh, Sun. Um, and that's the shirt from WrestleMania two two thousand two from Rock and Hogan. That's one of them that that brought it, uh, big attention. I mean, like it's just from back in the day, it's just, and I've done such, I, and I don't want to take over, like take it away from so many other matches, you know, but you know, the, with Hogan coming back and then coming into, you know, facing a rock icon against icon and the way the crowd just reacted to, you know, the NWO, you know, gimmick. And he was just, it was just phenomenal, man. I was just, it's just nothing else I experienced. And I have experienced some other probably louder times, but when you're talking like, 60, 70,000 people in Toronto Skydome. It just, it blew the roof off that place. And it was a big, yeah. big stadium. Um, second one comes with... Uh, just, what's just that? Looking at each other. Just when they're looking yeah. at each other, 
for those first yeah. few minutes. Oh, the face-off. Yeah, the face-off was phenomenal. I mean, it was just – and then the big shove-off, and it was just a big hulk up, and it was just like the crowd just went nuts. It was like, holy shit. You know, so, um, yeah, it was just – it was phenomenal to be a part of that match. I was glad I was a part of that match. Um, you know, there's a lot of other matches like, you know, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit and just Eddie Guerrero and Benoit so many matches that stick out, you know, there's, you know, and I'm talking like technical matches, like the rock and Hogan wasn't really a technical match. It was just more icon against icon. It wasn't coming off the top rope. It wasn't doing this. It was more of two big guys in the ring, you know, and they, they really, you know, the expectations were to really, they had to really bring it. And you got to remember like that last match was Jericho and triple H for the titles. And that match just that should have been the last match of the night and jericho kept saying that that night it should be the last match other match comes to mind is the one with big show and brock when the let the ring collapsed yeah you know it was just uh it was just a moment there you know it wasn't a gruff you know fantastic match it was just that they executed the spot they executed the ring to explode um i had my important part was just to sell on my ass sitting there just looking around going, holy <laughs> shit like wtf you know like what just happened but um that's you know it's a memorable one there too but there's so many other memorable matches to come to mind like kurt angle and shane mcmahon um putting shane through that glass man several times you know and he couldn't he couldn't execute it the first second time and Vince is screaming, everybody's screaming, don't do it again, don't do it again. I'm telling Kurt, don't F and do it again, don't F it. I'm in his ear. And then he does it again. And I'm like, what the, fuck? you know, I'm like, holy shit. Like, and I check on Shane, you know, after the match, I go to Kurt, man, didn't you hear me? Don't fucking throw him through the thing. And he goes, no, I'm sorry, I'm deaf at it out of here, Kyoto. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's great. Even the other ear didn't hear it either. I'm screaming. But there, there's so many other matches that, yeah, definitely come to mind. There's matches with Triple H and stuff like that, and, you know, with certain guys. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of really good matches. Yeah, man, absolutely. But to, to sort of like follow on from that, a, a sort of like a second part to that question. I think as fans, one, as a fan myself, one of the things I love is seeing sort of like fan recorded footage from house shows and live shows yeah. where you see guys just mixing up and having fun and doing stupid yeah. stuff and the referees getting involved and it right. always makes me wonder like who again this is probably going to be a tough one because you've refereed so many matches and worked right. with so many guys but who did you always look forward to working with I, I always imagined that The Rock must have yeah, been I mean, The Rock Hulk Hogan The Rock Holds Triple H um, you know, I, I've always, uh, you know, those are some guys, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let's not forget about Stone Cold. I mean, he was, he was one of the, God, the greatest. I mean, he, he used to get that crowd going and, and, you know, and of course, anybody that would kick the shit out of your boss, Vince McMahon, you know, you got to be over <laughs> with. So, uh, but Stone Cold was a great guy, easy to work with, you know, um, and he just said, let's go out there and have fun, kid, you know, and let's just tear it up. You know, and, and we did, you know, and, and John Cena, you know, was another one who went out there and just, you know, busted his ass for 10, 11, 12 years with the company and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's that's one that's one thing I, you know, I felt that was weird. Like when Rock came back after that, John Cena had been holding the company up for 10 years. And Rock went, you know, in 2002, Hogan passed the torch to Rock. Rock took that torch and he took it to Hollywood, you know. And then after he took that torch to Hollywood, you know, then he came back after several years 
face John Cena. Then he went over on John Cena. It was like, you know, there was a little bit of like, and they're like, who are we going to bury? Are we going to bury the rock that's in Hollywood doing his thing and what he's accomplished in, in this business? And it was kind of like, I was really like wondering, okay, when I get this finished, who's going over here? And the first time, of course, rock went over and then John Cena got the receipt back, you know, the next year. Yeah, it was a really confusing time to be a fan that, especially especially the fact that he came back and they just announced the match like straight away. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, for, for nearly a year in advance. That was yeah, that was but, a really weird moment. Yeah, they did. I mean, it was just, you know, like uh in Miami. I mean, the Rock was wrestling with I think I believe the first one was in Miami. So it was in Miami. It was, you know, uh big match and Rock came back. He was doing very well. I mean, look where the Rock is now, you know. He's even, yep. I mean, God, he's even 10 he's times. He's the biggest better. star in the world. He is. He's the biggest star in the world. And where did he come from? Wrestling, professional yeah. wrestling business, you know? And it just yeah, goes to show that professional wrestlers could do other things too as well. The great thing about The Rock is, well, maybe, maybe not the great thing, but so many so many kids and teenagers now don't even realize that he was a wrestler. That's that's how much he has right. sort of forward and gone into the stratosphere of being a celebrity. He is right. just... Wayne Unless they Johnson. go to a network or something or a peacock, whatever it's called, and, yeah. and they, they search back then, you know, then they could see. And, you know, that's the great thing about, you know, the network or a peacock, you know, I mean, you just go on that, boom, and just get all the matches from way back in the day, which is yeah. pretty cool. Educate yourself for just a moment's yeah, moment's a elite library of many years of wrestling, so which is pretty cool. You, you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago how easy some of these guys were to work with. And that's another thing I've always wondered about referees. How how involved in the, the planning and the preparation and the choreography of a match are you? Do you need to know oh, yeah. all of the spots? Or? Yes, yes. You need to know everything because sometimes a wrestler will forget a spot, you know, and they'll, they'll say, hey, what's going on next? What are we doing next? Or, But then, you know, like back in the day, they used to call a lot of spots in the ring. So when they locked up, they would call a spot. When they grabbed the hold headlock or so forth, they'd call a spot, go into the next spot, go into, you know, there was a lot more in this communication between the two, especially when wrestlers had long hair, it was easy to communicate because you could talk with your hair over your face and all that other stuff. But, you know, and important these day, of these days now that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to see that. They want to see facial because your face sells everything. So they want to see your face selling on TV and, so, you know, it's, but it, it's uh referee has a big spot now. I mean, he has to know everything as, as far as the finish, the false finishes, going into the heat, coming back, going into commercial, coming back at a commercial, going off the air. And especially when you're going off the air at the end of a show with Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or anything or a pay-per-view, it's very important that you hit your time cues because, you know, before the network, it was like USA would cut you right off or the pay-per-view would cut you right off. And if you didn't get that finish in, before the end of the pay-per-view, you're you're in Upshits Creek. Just, <laughs> you know, first person you go backstage and see is Vince. I can't imagine Vince was very happy when that happened. Well, it become that becomes the heat on the referee where you give him the cues, where you telling him, and sometimes you're in there screaming, "Let's go! We got to f and go!" Thirty seconds, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, sometimes it gets a little heated in there. Yeah, and so I can imagine. I, I, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want Vince McMahon screaming <laughs> down my ear at all. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. What's it? What's it like in terms of like looking after the the wrestlers? Because you know, just a moment's notice, we we've seen so many freak accidents and so many right. freak injuries happen. Well, How you do gotta, you know 
the difference between just good selling and somebody being really hurt? Easy, like um, uh, you know, when a concussion protocol it, that's in in the, in the play, there, you know, their eyes get teary, they start losing their like they just get a little drowsy and weary, and they're not they're, they're stumbling a little bit. And you know, when you see their tears in the eyes and the eyes are glassy, that's that's kind of a sign. Um, when somebody breaks a bone, they tell you right away, I blew my knee out, I blew my ankle out, and you know, you just got to stop the match and stuff like that. And that's where you see a lot of the X signs. So if you see that X sign, you know, um, they rarely do that X sign if, if just for a storyline because then, you know, that X sign is, it's a real, you know, the truth that somebody's hurt inside the ring. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you just have to prepare and just, you know, some guys get hurt and they say, okay, I can continue. I'll definitely, but if you're in a concussion protocol, you got to stop the match because, oh, yeah. you know, they keep going on, but they don't even remember. So, and you're worried about breaking necks and, so forth and, and head damage. Just, well, yeah, especially after, you know, as much as we don't like to talk about it, things like Chris Benoit and what happened there, there must be so much concern uh, all right. the time now. What, um, how does that disrupt the flow of a, of a show? Is that something that's always prepared for? Like, Well, you know, yeah, we try to prepare for that, but, you know, it's usually when it does happen, it, it does disrupt, um, it does break up the, the flow of the match, of course, but it's real. I mean, it's real. I mean, you can't really uh, knock it if somebody gets hurt and it's real. I mean, there's there's stoppage in plays in, you know, European football, American football, um, you know, hockey, everything. Sometimes, you know, when a player's hurt, it's just done, stop, take care of that situation. And um, like in professional football here in the United States, they're taking concussion protocol very serious anymore. Very serious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move away from that sort of like, Doom and gloom. Side yeah, of yeah, yeah. Wrestling. <laughs> One of the things that I, I've always loved as a fan, and I think most fans do, is the whole fantasy booking side of things or things like, oh, if you could be in attendance for any match in history, what match would it be, where and why? You've refereed thousands of matches. Right. So were there any matches that you've not wrestled that you've not refereed where you would have loved to have been in that position, been the third man? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some. Uh, I you know I remember Charles Robinson had the Undertaker Shawn Michaels match, uh, the first time they met, and that was fantastic. You know, do I look back and say, wow, um, you know, like after you seen what kind of match they had, yeah, I, I sit there and go, wow, I wish I was part of that match. You know, probably I think Sting and Flair when they got together years ago. That was probably one of them, but I wasn't, of course, working for WCW or anything like that. But um, yeah, there's, you know, there's a few matches that I I say, hey, I wish I'd be a part of and stuff like that. No, those two stand out. I mean, definitely Undertaker, Shawn Michaels stands out. Yeah, just to say that you were a part of it. I mean, there's right. you, must, you right. must be happy for your colleagues to be. And which, then that's exactly. I was happy to Charles that that he was a part of it, and he's a very experienced referee. One of the best yeah. in the business as well. And I was glad he was a part of it. But yeah, that's, that's one match, you know, with Undertaker and, and Sean. I said, damn, I wish I, was, I, wish I had a match. <laughs> Speaking of, of your, your fellow referees and the friendships and, and the, the bonds that you must create there, what um, one thing I've always wondered about is I always hear rumblings of like a referee's union sort of thing. Like not, not a literal union, but... We hear about it in soccer as well, in, in UK, European football, where 
sort of like referees and, and goalkeepers have goalkeepers unions where they just sort of all get together and, and talk about what's going on. Is there anything like that with referees? Do you spend time together backstage? Have you got your own yeah. locker room? Or? Yeah, we, we spend you know, we spend some time talking outside the ring areas all day in the arena because you're there from like noon to like midnight. So, I yeah. mean, and then you'll sit back and you'll talk. And um, it's definitely not a union, that's for sure. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, and, and, you know, you always had your favorite referees that you like to hang out with and so forth. And, you know, it's stuff like that. In my, my case, you know, I used to travel more with the wrestlers all the time than the referees. Yeah, that's what I was, that was always going to ask next, actually. Like, did you ever spend much time with the wrestlers backstage? Or did you just, did everybody sort of like have clicks? And did yeah, little... yeah, you had a click. Yeah, you had, you had your own little click and stuff. And certain guys you like to travel with and share a hotel room with and, and travel with all the time and get from town to town. And, you know, there's always a certain group of guys that you'd like to hang out with and travel on down the road. And unfortunately, it's been with uh, quite a few wrestlers and doing the business over three decades. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So, so one thing that I want to ask before I let you go, because yeah. this, this yeah. has been brilliant, and thank you so much for joining me. But yeah, one no thing problem. that I always, always wanted to ask about was the one match that you had in two thousand and one alongside Chris Jericho, and you, you got the pin, you got to drop the people's elbow. Yeah. What, what was that like? <laughs> How did that come about? Did you was was that something? Man, you that was, to do I just walked in the building that day, or I, was, I remember we were doing ring crew. And uh, I was doing stuff and, and the writers and stuff came up to me and said, hey, you have a match tonight. I said, oh, cool. Who? I'm thinking I'm going to referee. They're like, oh, you're going to do uh, you're going to be wrestling with Chris Jericho and The Rock. And it'll be a, a six man tag with the Dudleys and Nick Patrick. I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't have any rest, uh, wrestling gear or anything on me, you know, and they're like, oh, no, you're going to do it in your referee outfit. <laughs> Oh shit! This ought to be interesting. <laughs> like, but it was it was great to be a part of that, man. I mean, you know, you got I was you know, I wrestled there with two icons in the business. You know, Tim White actually had the match. It was fun. Um, yeah, and it just you know, if you look at Chris Jericho from two thousand one, two thousand two, he was main event in the Sky Dome with Triple H to where he's at now in AEW to see where the rock was from back then all the way to there. I mean, I got to do a tag match. I don't think any other referee has ever done in the professional right. business with yeah. two icons in the business, Y2J, Chris Jericho and the rock, Dwayne Johnson. So it was definitely awesome to be a part of that match, you know, and thank God. I mean, it went over. <laughs> when you found out, were you nervous about doing it when you found out? Oh, no, yeah, no, of course, of course. I didn't want to screw that freaking people's elbow up. I was like, Oh my God, I'm like, if I make it look, <laughs> That's stupid. You know, I know I was going to make it look great, which I didn't, but, you know, I figured I had to, I had to try and do, do my best. And I'm thinking if I really screw this shit up, I'm going to be like, ah, you know, but, you know, for what it was worth, it was, it was great, man. It was great to be a part of that. Like I said, thanks, Nick Patrick, for letting me go over. Um, but uh, it was a good time to be a part of that with the Dudleys and everything. Yeah, that really cool moment, really unexpected. Yeah. I don't think anybody saw that coming, even you, from the sounds of it. Yeah, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> what um, I was going to ask as well, um, obviously you've you've been gone now for what's it been? Just just over a year, about a year and a yeah. few months since yeah. being being let go of. Yeah, I was I was out on surgery too for a while. So then, so actually, the company stopped stopped paying me in like late August, September. 
um, you know, so they stopped paying me last year, like August, September. So I was kind of released after that point because after they stopped paying right. me, then I was able to do something else. So, so many backstage talents, so many wrestlers who leave the business become so, so often so quickly disenchanted by, by the industry and by the business. I even spoke to, without naming any names, I spoke to a wrestler yesterday to see if they wanted to come on the show. And they, they very honestly said that they just don't care about wrestling anymore. Yeah. Are you are you put off at all after after your exit? Um, or are you still keeping up with how things I'm are going? I'm still keeping up. I'm still watching it here and there. You know, I don't, I'm not. You know, to be honest with you, when I worked it for so many years, I didn't watch it every night either. You know, I mean, yeah. I would. You know, I'd watch. I'd watch certain matches that I did and certain other matches that I knew were going to be good. Um, you know, and and be honest with you, before AEW came around, WWE was the only town, you know, only company in business, pretty, pretty strong. But, um, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd go back and watch certain of my matches, you know, back in the day, but nowadays I watch it because I like to see what AEW is doing. And it's a little hard as a referee to see what they're doing because they're just running all over the referees, you know, not applying really too many of the rules and stuff like that. So um, it's a little hard to see like when they're just acknowledging the tag and, and the false finishes and accounts and not enforcing the five counts out of the corners or against the ropes or the 10 counts, you know, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just hard to watch as a referee standpoint, because like the referees are just getting buried, you know, but um, I watch WWE because I know a lot of the guys in the business still, and I like to see upcoming talent, you know, um, like I said, you know, yeah, you know, I was a little disappointed that the company didn't put me somewhere else, but I, I'm not hating hating the game this player doesn't hate the game you know so i mean it is what it is and um you know hopefully uh one door closes and another one opens up so we'll see is it is it hard for you to sort of watch it now as as a fan or do you still see it through a referee's eyes even if the referee in the ring is doing a good job are you right. still looking out for what they're doing or can you separate oh, yeah. the two now? no no i could separate i could separate the two i can see what the referee's doing i can tell it's a great match i can tell almost what's coming up to be <laughs> you know? um it's almost like you know if i was if i was betting on wrestling i'd probably be winning every night <laughs> so, but uh you know it's 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 good to see some of the talent do their thing it's like you know roman reigns roman reigns and paul uh, paulie man uh, they got it going and i think paulie was the missing piece of the puzzle of roman reigns to really become that good top heel you know and it's good to see they finally got them two clicking after Brock left and Paulie released, you know, to Roman. That was, that was, that was a good move there. So, yeah, absolutely. Like you say, breathe new life into him. Yeah, I mean, I still like to see Seth Rollins work. He's a great talent. A lot of, so many guys, and Rey Mysterio and so forth. But, um, yeah, I, I can still watch it. I mean, no, do I, you know, make sure I plan my night around it, sit home and watch wrestling? No, because I can always tape it. But... <laughs> No, but I still like to see what's going on. That's for sure. Yeah, that's good to hear. It makes me happy to know that you're still a fan yeah. just as much as we are, even after obviously being in the company, you could have been jaded by it all. But no, it's it's yeah. lovely to know that you're not. Um, I don't hate the players. I hate the game sometimes and the politics, but I don't hate the players. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. So much. And where... Um, before you go, can you can you let let the viewers know where they can find you on social media? Where they can yeah, find it's the a, podcast? got a Twitter account at, at MJC at Kyoda C H I O D A, and uh, I have some wrestling uh, 
some t-shirts and some designs out on uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. And I uh, got some new new signs, a third man in the ring design just came out. And, uh, you know, some shirts there. And, and um, I'll be back in Puerto Rico in a couple of weeks. So uh, just keep an eye out for LAWE, Latin American Wrestling Entertainment. Bro, and will you, I take it you'll be posting about that on, on your Twitter account? And... Yeah, sure will. Sure yeah. will. Brilliant, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for watching. As usual, you know where to find me. It's down here somewhere. All the links are in my bio on Twitter. You can find us on all podcast platforms and on YouTube, especially. And that's it from me today. Again, Mike, thank you so much. Take care. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. I hope everybody stays safe in England. All right. Absolutely, man. Thank you. You too. Take care, man. All right, mate. Thank you, guys. All right. Cheers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.